everybody. I'm Emma Houghton, and you're listening to 30 Teams in 30 Days on the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. We are 15 days away from April 1st, which is opening day of the 2021 Major League Baseball regular season. I will spend each day in March previewing all 30 Major League Baseball teams in alphabetical order. So, today's March 16th, and I continue on with the Kansas City Royals. So the Kansas City Royals I am actually very excited to talk about because while they may not have over, say, 75 wins, there's reason to be excited for the 2015 World Series champions. So I'll go through history, additions and departures this offseason, and then position battles, starting pitching, bullpen, prospects, and bench options before I give my philosophy on the team. So like I said, in 2015, the Kansas City Royals won the World Series. They actually made it to the World Series in 2014 and lost that year, but they won the next year against the Mets. And it hasn't been smooth sailing since, to say the least. So we'll start from last year. In the 2020 shortened season, the Royals were 26-34. and 34. They missed the postseason. And then in 29 and 2018, this is where the franchise really hit its low point. In 2019, the team had 59 wins. And in 2018, the team had 58 wins. That translates to 103 and 104 win losses, respectively. In 2017, they were just about even. They were 80 and 82. But to have two straight years of over 100 losses isn't acceptable for a team that was as talented as the Royals. So the interesting thing is that I've taught a lot, I've talked a lot about teams who won and then tore things down and started from the bottom or teams that are now on the bottom and are starting to put the pieces together to go out and become a, co- a competitive team in 2021. The Royals didn't really do either. They won in 2015 and they didn't tear everything down. They adamantly stated that they weren't going to do that you could consider 104 and 103 loss game losing seasons as tearing it all down but they kept a really solid core in place and now because they got some really incredible prospects from those low seasons they could compete in the next few years. It's a tough time to be in the AL Central because of how good the Twins are and how good the White Sox are, but I would not count out the Royals in the future. Now let's review their 2020 offseason. The biggest addition, arguably, was left fielder Andrew Benintendi. He came over from the Red Sox in a three-team trade. They also picked up 2019 All-Star Carlos Santana, who was formerly on the Indians. They picked up, they signed Mike Miner to a deal. They also picked up Wade Davis, Hanser Alberto, and Irvin Santana to minor league deals. And they also picked up Michael A. Taylor, the former center fielder for the Nationals. They departed with Frenchie Cordero. That was the biggest prospect they had to give away in the Andrew Benintendi trade. Alex Gordon also retired. A huge blow for the Royals. He was their eight-time gold glover. And they also no longer are with third baseman Mikel Franco. So now let's get into these position battles, and really the player that this team circles around is the first guy I'll talk about, and it's catcher Salvador Perez. He is a free agent after the 2021 season, but I truly think, similar to Yadier Molina's position with St. Louis, 
Salvador Perez and Kansas City Royals, they're synonymous. I really and truly think that Perez will get re-signed by the Royals. It doesn't matter if they're competing or not. Incidentally, I do think that they will be competing, but I don't think it matters because Perez is just so tied up with this organization in a good way. When everybody else in the league, it seems, struggled in 2020, Perez actually had a career-best OPS. His OPS was 986. He also had 11 home runs in 37 games, so that power hasn't gone anywhere. He's a six-time All-Star. He has five gold gloves, three silver sluggers, and he's one of the few players remaining on this 2021 team that were there when the team won the World Series back in 2015. Salvador Perez was the World Series MVP for the Royals back then. Now we see a new face at first base. It's Carlos Santana. Like I mentioned, he was an all-star in 2019 with the Indians. He had his career season. In 2020, he batted 199. He just wasn't even a shell of who he was back in 2019. His career slash line is much better. He hits just about 250. His OBP is 366. His slug is just about 450. The usual numbers are there. He might not be an all-star again, but he can definitely hold down first base for the Royals in the near future. Second base, it's a young guy. This is Nicky Lopez. He's an interesting guy to talk about because he was a fifth-round draft pick in 2016, and immediately in the minors, he outperformed his expectation as a fifth-round guy. He had a 957 OPS in 2019 in the minors. He had a 3.6% strikeout percentage. That is absolutely elite. Nobody is doing that in the minors. So in the, in 2019, when he got promoted to the big leagues, he still had a 12.7% strikeout percentage, which ranked in the top 6% in the league in terms of strikeout rates. So he was doing an excellent job in terms of his patience at the plate. As time went on, that started to increase. So in in 2019, he only whiffed 15% of the time. In 2020, he whiffed 20% of the time. And that strikeout percentage continued to climb. I think that is still a strength for Nicky Lopez, but he definitely needs to keep that under control because that's what puts him above other candidates. And that's what right now puts him above non-roster invitee Hanser Alberto, who the Royals picked up this offseason, who was the starting second baseman for the Orioles last season. He could see some time, but right now they're going to stick with Nicky Lopez. Now we go to Hunter Dozier, who signed a four-year, $25 million extension with the Royals just a few weeks ago. He also has a five a $10 million option for the fifth year that he will most likely exercise. 2020, a down year for him. He batted 228 with only a 392 slug. But it's funny because his average exit velocity, his hard hit rate, and his barrel percentage were all career lows, which just signals he was not himself in the box. But his walk rate was 14.5% which was tied for 17th in the majors with some guy named Mike Trout that you might know. His chase percentage was also the lowest of his career. So while he wasn't making good contact, he couldn't hit the ball hard, and his the ball just wasn't coming fast off of his bat, he was getting on base a ton, 
And he wasn't swinging and missing. So that makes him still very valuable to this team. And as he gets older, he might not be producing the power numbers that he used to, but he can still get on base and he still can give pitchers a hard time by drawing a lot of work, uh, drawing a lot of walks. So he'll slot in at third base. He's very good defensively there. Shortstop, we go to Alberto Mondesi. This is the guy that the Royals are counting on to have his breakout season. He's he's shown flashes of a breakout, but not a full season of it. So in his career, he hasn't posted an on-base percentage above 306. And this actually seems to be a theme that I continue to talk about. A lot of teams are searching for their leadoff hitter. And the same can be said for the Royals. So I have a lot of OBP numbers to talk about. Because Mondesi is a candidate for the leadoff spot, but because that OBP is barely above 300, he probably is not the leading candidate. The funny thing about Mondesi is that he's known for his defensive prowess. He's known for being a really high prospect. He's struggled in the majority, in the bulk of these seasons. But in both 2019 and 2020, the end of his season were incredible. So in 2019, in the last week of the season... His slash line was 615, 655, and 1.154. Again, that was in one week of play, but still, to have that high of numbers to end a season, I mean, it just skyrockets his potential. And then in 2020, in the last 23 games of the season, which is a much larger sample size than just one week, he posted a 2F war, which is Fangraph's wins of replacement number, which led all major league hitters. That's more than Mike Trout, Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna, Juan Soto, all those guys. Mondesi had a better September than all those guys did. Six homers, 20 RBIs, 16 stolen bases in only 23 games. So he will be a name to watch just as he can try and steady himself and produce consistently because I genuinely think that he could be a 25-25 guy, and that's what the Royals think he can be too. Now we shift to the outfield. The first new face you'll see, Andrew Benintendi in left. He will most likely slot into the two spot in the lineup, and that's where he really thrived in Boston. And this year, it's going to be all about getting Andrew Benintendi back to his healthy 2018 form when he was making those game-saving catches in the ALCS, when he was hitting over 300, because or just under 300. Because the 2020 version we saw of Benny was not even close to his normal self. He hit 103. He only played 14 games because he fractured his ribs, which the severity of his injury didn't even come out until this offseason. His career slash line is 273 with a 435 slug. That's very respectable for a above-average outfielder as well. But in 2018, that was when the Red Sox won the World Series, and he was the best version of himself. He hit 290, he had 16 home runs, he had 87 RBIs, and he only struck out 106 times. That was the true concern about Benintendi. The power numbers weren't there, he couldn't get on base. He was also swinging and missing at an extraordinary rate. I think he truly took this offseason to heal both mentally and physically. I talked a lot about him in my Boston Red Sox preview. It really hurt that the Red Sox let him go. I think he needed one more year to rebound with Alex Cora back as his manager, and he would have been fine. But Benintendi has always been dangled in trade discussions, and the Royals took the bait. 
They took him, and I think Benintendi will rebound, and he will be a staple of this rebounding Kansas City team in the next three to five years. Center fielder, another new face. You have Michael A. Taylor. He was a World Series champion back in 2019 with the Nats. He's a career 237 hitter, so he's not in there for his bat, but he is very good in the outfield, a really nice center fielder. And then potentially the, the face of the Royals, arguably, it's right fielder Whit Merrifield. This guy has a 342 career OBP. That's why I think he will be the leadoff hitter on opening day for the Royals. He was a 2019 All-Star. In 2019, let me just run through some of these numbers to show how valuable Merrifield is. He played all 162 games. He also led the league in triples, hits, and at-bats. And then in 2020, he played all 60 games, and he also led the league in at-bats once again. His biggest value is that he is on the field every single day consistently producing, and that is exactly what the Royals need. And then lastly, we go to DH because we are in the American League. It's Jorge Soler. This guy led the AL in home runs in 2019, and his on-base percentage is also very respectable for a power hitter. It sits at 335. He will probably slot into that cleanup spot where the Royals will count on him to be that 2019 version where he can pop 35 to 40 home runs. That would be huge for the Royals' offense. Going back to just previewing their or reviewing their offseason a funny thing about what the Royals did Pakoda I usually get into this at the end but just to preface now Pakoda has them at 71 wins they're not going to make the playoffs they're probably going to finish fourth in the AL Central the four main guys that they picked up this offseason actually it's more than that Carlos Santana Andrew Benintendi Wade Davis on a minor league deal Mike Miner, and Michael A. Taylor, all of those guys have played in a World Series. So you might not think that the Kansas City Royals will win a lot of games this season, but you can be sure that they have a plan in place and they desperately want to win. And you can't say that about a lot of other teams that will f- that will finish in the lower echelon of this teams. And that's what makes the, the Royals such a fun team to talk about. So now let's switch to starting pitching. Their number one guy, most likely their opening day starter, it'll be Brad Keller. This guy has over 360 career innings pitched. He has a 3-5 ERA and a 1-2-8 whip, but for some reason, people aren't talking about how good his stuff is. He's a volume pitcher, which I've talked about how valuable that is. He threw over 165 innings in 2019. 14 pitchers, 26 years old or younger have totaled more than 300 innings since 2018. Keller is one of those guys, one out of 14. Only Herman Marquez, who I've talked about, Shane Bieber, who I've talked about, and Jack Flaherty have a higher baseball reference wins above replacement than Keller. Those three guys. So Keller has truly solidified himself as one of the elite arms, and for some reason he's just exceptionally underrated. So I expect Keller to have a big season and really anchor this starting rotation that otherwise is going to run in some into some depth issues. And that's what the biggest weakness for this Royals team is. That's why they won't cra- pass that 75 or 80 win threshold because they just don't have the pitching. Behind him, you have Danny Duffy. He usually throws over 130 innings a season. 
but his FIP has been over 4.7 the past few years. His stuff isn't as good as it used to be. He was another guy on the 2015 World Series team. Behind him, you have Mike Miner, who came off of a 2019 season where he was an all-star. He finished sixth in Cy Young voting at a 144 ERA+. And then in 2020, those numbers just completely plummeted. He spent half the year with Texas and the other half with Oakland, 79 ERA+. Plus. The Royals need to see the 2019 version of Mike Miner. I wonder how many times I've said that in all these previews, going back to the 2019 version. We'll see if 2020 really was an anomaly for almost half of the players in the league. Other guys in this starting rotation... Brady Singer, he finished 8th in Rookie of the Year voting in 2020. With He's only thrown 64 innings at the Major League level, though, so this will be a big developmental year for him. And the same could be said for Chris Bubik, who threw only 50 innings last year. Again, you can't put too much of a workload on these young guys because you don't want to get into injuries, you don't want to overwhelm them, and you want them to slowly progress to the majors. But also, the Royals are in a spot where they have to rely on these young arms. So it'll put the pressure on them, and it'll be a great chance for the Royals to see if guys like Singer and Bubik especially can handle the moment. In the relief pen, you have Jake Junis, who's been there forever. You'll most likely see him in a relief role instead of the starting rotation. Greg Holland came back. He's a three-time All-Star, but the last time he was an All-Star was in 2017. He might right now fill in that closer role, but I think it's going to be pretty open because it's just going to be plugging holes in the bullpen, honestly, for the for the Royals. And then you also have Wade Davis, who the Royals signed on a minor league deal. He gave up 10 runs in just over four innings last year. So Wade Davis definitely needs a rebound year. But again, the, the Royals... Signed him on a flyer deal, no harm, no foul. They say if he can be a former version of himself. On the bench, I mentioned Hanser Alberto. I think he was a great pickup for them. The only reason the Orioles parted ways with them is because of the Orioles' financial situation, and they just don't have a proper direction in place. Alberto had a great year, and people need to be talking about him. I can see him and Nicky Lopez splitting time at second base. You also have the guy who's been there forever, Ryan O'Hearn. He could see some time at first. He probably would have slotted in as the opening day starter if the Royals hadn't gone out and gotten Carlos Santana. But now O'Hearn is back to the backup role, probably shifting between first base and third base. And now, if you tune into this Royal preview, the biggest reason you did that was probably to hear me talk about Bobby Witt Jr. I'm on the prospect section now. Shortstop Bobby Witt is the number seven overall prospect in baseball. People are talking about him with the same reverence that they talked about Fernando Tatis Jr. They're talking about Witt the same way that they're talking about Wander Franco and Adley Rutschman and Mackenzie Gore. Bobby Witt Jr., especially this spring, has done even more for himself than anybody even thought. He's over-exceeded expectations. He's only had 164 minor league at-bats, too. So he is still so early on in his developmental process. You probably won't see much, if at all, of him in 2021, especially depending on how the Royals are doing. But Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be the future of this team. And the team's success will really balance on Bobby Witt Jr.'s success. You also got left-handed pitcher Daniel Lynch clocking in at number 29 in MLB's top 100. 
He threw 96 and a third innings in 2019. So again, they're ramping up that workload. And left-handed pitcher, pitcher Asa Lacy, he's right behind Lynch at number 30. He could have been the first overall pick. He is that good of a pitcher. And to have this type of pitching depth, all these young arms, including Singer and Bubik too, the Royals have a lot of young arms to work with. And that is reason to get excited for their farm system and their pipeline and also giving these guys chances at the major league level. It's better to do that now than when the team's competing for a playoff spot and you have to put all of your hopes on a 20-year-old kid. Let them progress. Let them develop. Let the fans see glimpses of guys as exciting as Witt Jr. and Daniel Lynch and Lacey. And I truly think that that Royals fans have reason to be excited. That being said, Pakota has them at 71 wins. I'm going to go slightly over. I do think they'll be in the 75 to 80 range. I I guess that's more than slightly over. I think the the Royals are have too many talented players on their roster for them not to have more than 70 wins. I truly think that Whit Merrifield is an all-star candidate every year. Carlos Santana could be. I truly think that Andrew Benintendi is back to his 2018 and 2017 self. You could go off the list. Jorge Soler was incredible. Perez is a great player and a great catcher. The biggest thing, though, is that the Royals executives and their ownership and their general manager and their manager, they all seem to be on the same page that they want to win no matter what. They could have the worst farm system in the game, and that's basically what they had after they won, but they're still not going to go into full rebuild mode. They're still going to try and stockpile winners like they did with Perez and Merrifield and put these guys out there so that they can win games. And now you have guys like Mondesi, and Merrifield, and even Hanser Alberto to pick somebody up like that who has the major league experience to go out there and help this team win games. A lot of Royals fans will be waiting around for Witt Jr. to come up. Again, I think it's a bit of a delay there. But while 2021 might not be the season where we see the tides turn in Kansas City, you've got a really successful football team to watch while you wait. And I think in three years the Royals could be rivaling the Chicago White Sox in the AL Central with all the young talent in the Kansas City system. These guys want to win, and more so than anything, the intangibles matter. And that's why the Royals will have over 75 wins this year, and they are a serious power to watch in the AL Central in the future. So that'll wrap up my season preview of the Kansas City Royals. The Houston Astros started my move over to the Did You Hear feed. So if you want to catch any of the season previews from the Arizona Diamondbacks to the Detroit Tigers, make sure to check out the SoundCloud link that I will post in the bio of this episode. Make sure to check all those out. Thank you for listening, and make sure to tune in tomorrow for a season preview of the Los Angeles Angels.